0: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: All right, we're back in Better Than Ever. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. And away we roll on what could be a very interesting Thursday. Now is when the rubber hits the road at the combine. The better players are doing their drills. We're going to get times. We're going to get numbers. We're going to get excited about that. And the wheeling and dealing has had a chance to sink in. Six degrees of separation, or maybe more than that, all stemming from Ryan Poles and Justin Fields. We finally start getting some answers. Maybe as soon as today. Let's go. Here
0: we go. Go, go! Only one place to start. All
1: right, our one place to start is with football, football, and more football. And my big man, Demian Woody, good enough to hang out after we wrap up. Get up this morning with Hembo here and the um, assembled members of the Hashtag crew assembled around us today. And, uh, D. Wood, I, I, I sort of opened it this morning by describing it as there's, there's this popular game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. For those who mm-hmm. don't know, you can basically take Kevin Bacon. Do you even know what this is, Hembo? I'm familiar with the
2: person but not the game you're okay. describing.
1: So Kevin Bacon basically has been in so many movies with so many very famous people that there is a theory that you could basically connect any actor or actress in history and in 6 steps they could you can connect them to Kevin Bacon. So Humphrey Bogart made a movie with so and so with so and so who made a movie with so and so who wound up with Kevin Bacon. Okay. So you can do all of that you can connect all of it right now to what the Bears are doing and Ryan Poles. Because the bottom line of it is this. He's going to make up his mind. Is he going to trade away Justin Fields or is he going to trade away the first pick in the draft? If it's Justin Fields, then obviously Fields very much in play in all of that. Atlanta very much in play in all of that. Pittsburgh very much in play in all of that. Kirk Cousins very much waiting to see how that goes. He can't become a free agent for another two weeks. Russell Wilson waiting to see where that goes. All these teams and all these players impacted by it. Then, of course, the Bears with the other decision they made make what do the Washington commanders want to do what do the New England Patriots want to do everyone waiting for the first move on the chessboard to be made it's like pawn to king four and it's Ryan Paul's turn it's Ryan Paul's chance
3: to make that move it could come as soon as possible he would what should he do pick a quarterback at number one. I, I think that you know we saw last year them t- a trade the pick obviously Carolina Came up and, and took Bryce Young with the mm-hmm. number one pick last year. I don't think that the Chicago Bears can do that two years in a row. I think this has got to be the year where they pick a pick a quarterback number one. Most most people, you know, presume that's going to be Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC, for for a variety of reasons. Number one, obviously, he's a uber talented quarterback, and we're you know we're just into the evaluation process. But more importantly, you get a a, a rookie quarterback on a cheap on a cheap contract. So you're gonna have the ability to build continue to build around a young quarterback and reset things at the quarterback position with the Chicago Bears. And you move, you know, you're gonna get draft compensation for Justin Fields. And again, as you pointed out, now other teams come into play, the Chicago, you know, I mean the Atlanta Falcons, Pittsburgh Steelers, and who, what whatever the other teams that may come up. So it is very interesting with the Chicago Chicago Bears is basically running the offseason in my opinion. But once they make that first
1: move they cede at least some of that control. And that brings me to something I brought up yesterday. And Hembo, you and I talked about it, and I thought about it more as the day went on. If you're Ryan polls, how long do you want to leave open both options? Which means if you have the number one pick in the draft, you have to get a quarterback if you don't have Justin Fields. So, so the, the example we used of this was in 2021 or whatever year it was Joe Burrow got drafted, The Bengals, everybody was calling them, trying to get up to number one, and they wouldn't even answer the phone. Not even listening to you, I'm taking Joe Burrow and that's it. That's because they didn't have a realistic alternative on their roster. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, that's one of
2: the two reasons. The other is that Joe Burrow and Caleb Williams are not the same thing.
1: Meaning they were just so thoroughly convicted in Burrow... You're suggesting to me you think that Joe Burrow was a massive, it, an infinitely better prospect than Caleb Williams.
2: Absolutely. Is. I
1: do not believe
2: that is what the majority of draft analysts believe. Hold on. You think that there is a consensus that Caleb Williams and Joe Burrow are comparable prospects entering the NFL? I think that before uh, the last season
1: of Joe Burrow's college career, he was a guy who wasn't going anywhere near the first day. He might not have gone on the second day of the draft. I think there were people who pointed at the ridiculous talent that he had around him. He had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase as his receivers on that team, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire was running the ball, and they had like nine draft picks on defense, and they looked at that and they said, I think there were a lot more questions. Tua was the guy they were tanking for long before Joe Burrow was involved in that conversation. Caleb Williams has been described, I'm not saying I think so, I'm saying Caleb Williams has been described as a
3: generational prospect for two years.
2: Damian Woody, would you describe Caleb Williams as a generational
3: prospect? Andrew Luck is a generational prospect.
2: Okay. Um,
1: was Trevor Lawrence a generational prospect? In hindsight, no. Well, mm. but, but, but there no. is no hindsight right. because there, these decisions are uh,
3: being made in the present. Yeah. I, I, like, in, in my, like when I look at it, Andrew Luck to me was the one guy that was like, that dude is different from everybody else. And when he came in from day one, he was different from everybody else. He literally turned around the worst team in the league in Indianapolis and automatically turned them. I believe they were a playoff. Well, they, they, were, play, they were. Immediately. Immediately, they, they were a playoff, the playoff team. Correct. That is to me is generational transform. You know, transformative type of talent. I just did don't I, similar. Yeah. yeah I, I like. Here's the thing with with Caleb Williams. He started off so high. The only place he can go is down. As we continue to move in the draft, you know, this this draft season, and everyone continues to evaluate, he's not going to go up. He's only going to go down. People are going to keep dissecting his game. And I think that's why Jaden Daniels and Drake May are people having the type of conversation they're having in in, in regards to the quarterback position. Can I tell you the problem with Hembo? Well, one of many.
2: (laughs) Where do we start?
1: (laughs) Hembo doesn't understand psychology because he isn't a human he he, he Hembo, have you ever seen the show Star Trek no okay do you know do you know who Mr. Spock was do you know what a Vulcan is okay well you're all of that okay that's what you are <laughs> <laughs> you're you're Mr. Spock you are Spock from Star Trek you are a Vulcan you are a person devoid of emotion So, you are continuously looking at Caleb Williams' last season and dissecting everything that wasn't right about him last year, when the reality is, he was exactly what Damian Woody said. A person who had nothing to gain and everything to lose from the minute the season began. If Caleb Williams had just sat out all of last year, he would have been the number one pick in the draft. And that has to factor in to the psychology. Joe Burrow played his last season of college and played his way into becoming the first pick in the draft. All Caleb Williams could do is play his way out of being the first pick in the draft and there's no question that has an impact on the things that you do and the way that you work and all the rest of that and that's not a criticism that is human nature it's just something you don't have any understanding
2: fair of. enough and I agree with your characterization of me and Caleb Williams this season but Caleb Williams did play college football last season he played 12 games a lot of tape a lot of stats and Caleb Williams over that period of time showed them some things that I found to be as a player Unattractive. For example, for example, Caleb Williams regressed considerably in all the important areas that you'd expect a quarterback to perform in, like in pocket decision making and on schedule stuff. And let's be honest with you, like Caleb Williams' team, his team lost four games this year, which we're not going to pin on him because he didn't play with a great defense and his, his offensive line wasn't quite as good. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of, for lack of a better term, CEO that a lot of NFL teams are looking for. There's some body language stuff with him. There are some off-the-field questions with him. And over the next two months, as we dissect this stuff, because we should, these are million-dollar, billion-dollar decisions in some cases, why would we not use every data point in order to make the best decision we can with all of the games that he has played? So, D Wood. You haven't sat and broken
1: down. You're an NFL analyst. Mm -hmm. So you haven't sat there yet. You will as we work our way towards the draft. You haven't broken down every play from Jaden Daniels, every play from Drake May, every play from Caleb Williams. So you are 100% uh, open. I'm I'm giving you 100% permission to change your mind on this between now and April 25th. Mm -hmm. But right now, if you had the first pick in the draft, who would you take?
3: I would probably take Jaden Daniels. Wow. I would probably take Jaden Daniels. I I think... Here's the thing. It's like what we, what we talked about on Get Up. We get so enamored with the off schedule, but we get frustrated with, with this, the, 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 the things that matter most in, in, in our game, mm. and that's processing, accuracy, playing on schedule, playing on time. Those are the things that win football games. I think Jaden Daniel was, was better coach. I think Brian Kelly's system – like, it's more conducive to what we see in the National Football League than what what Caleb Williams had at USC under Lincoln Raleigh. And so when I look at everything together, and also, Jaden Daniels not a one-hit one wonder. He did play well in 2022. In 2023, he took it to a whole nother level. He was, by, in my opinion, by far the best quarterback in the country this past year. He did it both with his arm processing and with his legs in the SEC. And so for me, when I look at it, his trajectory, he's only going up. You talk about the way you describe Joe Burrow, how Joe Burl just had an upward trajectory his last year. That's what I see with Jaden Daniel. And you know what's similar? Go back and look at their numbers. Go back and look at their numbers from you know Joe Burrow's last year and Jaden Daniels' numbers. Mm-hmm. Go look at their numbers; they're eerily similar. Similar outside of the rushing aspect, where Jaden Daniels blew them away. Their passing numbers—they're—they're they're very comparable in what they did at, at, at LSU. Greening with you on
1: ESPN Radio. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly seven hundred and fifty dollars on average. Call or click today. And find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. If there's one thing I've been good at throughout my career, Hembo, is I have, been able, I have had the, the great good fortune of being around a lot of people who really know what they're doing and really know what they're talking about, and I listen. So I, the luckiest thing that may have happened to me when it comes to the draft in a very long time was one year we were flying <coughs> to, to go cover the draft. I wasn't hosting it, but Mike and I were going to do the shows from there. And I happened to be seated on a plane next to Bill Polian. And so for the entire flight, wherever we were, I think we are flying to Chicago. I think it was one of the years the draft was in Chicago. I just picked his brain. And I said to him, why do you GMs fall so in love with 40 times and and very specific height requirements, weight requirements, all that? And he said to me, Greeny, here's the reason. It's not because players who fall outside of those things can't be successful. It just means those are the exception and not the rule. Far more often, the guy who winds up being a really, really good player checks all the boxes we need checked. Now, you have to be open to taking the guy who doesn't and to being ready for that. But don't be surprised when it doesn't look in the pros the way it looked in college. I will say it again. I would never have touched Bryce Young last year. I would never have taken Kyler Murray. I would never have taken Zion Williamson in the NFL. Uh, excuse me, in the NBA. I might have taken him in the NFL. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and and and, and Jaden Daniels scares me to death because he's so slight that I am I will hold my breath every time he gets touched that one of these freaks of nature who who run around playing defense in the NFL are going to hit him in a way that he is never unhit.
2: It's the Patrick Mahomes effect in some sense, D. Wood. Like when when a person succeeds at a high level, and they do it differently, I think the natural progression is we run towards other players that remind us of him. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, I'm not sure Kyler Murray would have gone 1-1, or Bray Young would have gone 1-1, or Zach Wilson would have gone 1-2. Even a quarterback like Caleb Williams five or ten years ago probably would not have been as attractive to the intelligentsia because he's only 6one 215 and plays with his hair on fire, right? But there still is the scouting terminology... He's what they look like, right? That's, that's a term that you hear, have, you've heard scouts use from the beginning of time. And I think in some sense we've gotten a little too far away from that by chasing the exception. And more often than not, that's the guy that gets you fired.
3: You know, <clears throat> so you're exactly right. And I, I always say that the game of football is actually not, not complicated. It's not. We make people make it more complicated than what it is. You know what, essentially what football is? Big people beat little people. <laughs> <laughs> it really is that okay. simple. Right. Like, the reason why you do height, like arm length, measurables, because guess what? It factors in a game. Yeah. And I'll give you a prime example. Like, offensive linemen, they want tackles to have a certain length. Why? Because you got to be able to go out there and protect against these defensive ends who have – arms that, that are down to their, like, down to their knees. They can literally get into your body before you can touch them. That's why length matters. That's why being big matters because big men beat little men. And when you talk about the Kyler Murrays, the Bryce Young, you know, you're bringing up Jaden Daniels, well, guess what? When big men beat up on little men, you know what they do? They miss time. Mm-hmm. And when you miss time, that's a big investment that's sitting on a bench. There's nothing more fun than having D. Wood here, radio, TV, and the whole bunch.
2: Thank you so much, big fella. You're the best. Yeah,
1: it's pleasure. You want to hear this? Let's do early trivia today.
2: let's go. Let's see. I'm going to start here with group trivia, actually. Okay, so I'm looking at a list of first-round draft picks whose fathers are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are four players who were drafted in the first round who have a dad that is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and you're going to give me all four, four players. players. Wow, that is a great question. Answer next. Let's go on
1: ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the
0: podcast. Greeny with Mike Greenberg.
1: If you're Ryan Poles, you can say, what's the upside or what's the potential downside? You take Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams doesn't pan out. They're going to fire three coaches trying to fix Caleb Williams. If you trade Caleb Williams to Washington and you take Jaden Daniels or you play Justin Fields and God help you, Caleb Williams turns into a great player, you will forever be the guy who didn't make that pick. This is Greeny. Good stuff. We got work in here. Uh, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Question is tough. Hembo was making it seem like we're forgetting an obvious one. We only have two names written down. We'll get into this here in 30 seconds after this reminder that ESPN bet is now live as the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows sign up today. New users get hundred dollars in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN bet download today. What a play must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
2: All right, Hembo has us in a pretzel here. Go ahead. So I'm looking at a list of players drafted in the first round in the NFL draft whose fathers are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are four such players, and I'm going to ask you to name all four.
1: So, and he gave us the hint that all of the draft picks came post-2000. So none of these... Or longer ago than that. We are really struggling, guys. And, and Hembo is making it seem like there's one we're not thinking of that we are going to kick ourselves. And that's the one I want to get. We've got, I've got two names written down that I feel very good about. The question is, who's the super obvious one we're not thinking of? Well, we, I mean, we're all confident that that uh,
0: Manning—it's not Manning. It's right? not Manning. Archie Manning
1: is not so in that, the Hall of Fame. It,
0: that's got to be—that's like the obvious one right off the bat. So that—that would have been
1: the most obvious one. But Archie's not in the yeah. Hall of Fame. So well, the, the one that I know with absolute certainty is Kellen Winslow. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. He was drafted in 2004. Right, I re, I, that, I remember that vividly. The the one that I feel good about is Clay Matthews. I I I don't I'm not. It's it's our
4: next
2: best guess. I'm I'm with you. All right, we're going to
1: say Clay Matthews. That's
2: not right. What? Clay Matthews is not right. He was a first round pick, but his father is not in the pro football. Is his father
1: Bruce Matthews?
2: Well, that's a no. His father is Clay Matthews Senior. That's what I thought.
1: Oh, Bruce is his uncle, and that's what screwed me. You
2: have the wrong
1: set of Matthews. (laughs) Oh, it's a different Matthews. So it's Bruce Matthews. And, and
2: his son, <laughs> whose name is Jake. Jake Matthews was a first-round pick, the lineman, in 2014. So that's that's the Matthews tandem I thought you were chasing. Isn't that what we said? We said Jake, right?
1: <laughs> Let's even live in a world where we said that, because there's still two more. Was that the super obvious one we didn't get? Jake,
2: no. Jake no. Matthews was a sixth overall pick in the 2014 draft. His father is Bruce. God, I have no recollection of that at all. And we don't even have another name written down. Yeah, I, I want to get the... Uh, and yeah, I'm and, stunned by this. Now, the reason I'm stunned by this is because... Give us a hint of the team or something. They have the same dad. And you've interviewed this man many times in your life, I'm sure. Wait, what
1: do you mean they have the same dad? There's two people who are both... Both first-round picks who have the same pro football, hall of fame dad.
2: What the heck? Oh, shame, shame, sugar, shame. And
1: I've, and I've interviewed who, the father or the son? I'm
2: cer- Well, probably both, probably all three people, but I'm certain that you know his dad, their, their father, very well. So you're saying two, the other two of the four are brothers. Yes, and they share the same father. And they're not
1: Eli and Peyton Manning. No,
2: this is killing me. This is so embarrassing that we don't know this. Their father, and- you watch him on TV every single week during the football season. Scott Hans's sons as, are in as, the Hall and, of Fame. And, <laughs> and as a lover of the AFC. Oh, my God. You guys stink. It's Howie Long. It's Howie oh, Long. Oh, no. <laughs> and his sons, Kyle. Oh, that uh, is embarrassing. And Chris. That is embarrassing. Is that an unfair question? No, it's
1: not. It's a great question. And I am humiliated. <laughs> I am embarrassed yeah. for us.
4: That's a bad I, showing. I'm
1: not 100% sure we should not be taken off the air for not getting that. That is a terrible, an absolutely terrible miss by us. So
2: I'm, I'm I'm not at all surprised that you got the Winslows, of course, and I thought for sure you'd get the Long brothers, the the Matthews, the Jake and Bruce one is a tougher pairing to to get, and and so I'm not surprised that you missed that one and went with the went with their brothers, but even so, a disappointing show. Boy, that's really disappointing. All right, give us scores. Man, yeah, I don't know how many we
4: should lose for that one. I'm only going <laughs> to let us lose one, but it should be more. I'm 18 and 30. Bubba is. 15 and 26. You are 16 and 32. Jack's 10 and 16. Brandon's 9 and 22. Nick is 5 and 1. Jay Billis and Dominique Foxworth are both 0 and
1: 1. Okay. So here's what I want to do now. I want to look back on. Do you want to jump right to the Mel 1.0? Because I think it makes this point really well. I don't want to see it. Oh, okay. I I want not to have seen it when we do this. So here's a point that I brought up yesterday, and I asked Cam to throw this in for today, and I think we have a really interesting presentation of it. There's going to be so much debate, so much discussion, so much argument, so much everything over who should be the first quarterback taken this year. There's an increasing movement right now. Dan Orlovsky on Get Up this morning. It should be Jaden Daniels. Hembo clearly seems to think it should be... Who do you think? It should be May?
2: I think May, in in the long run, is going to
1: be the best quarterback. So it could be him, and it could be uh, 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 Caleb Williams. And so the point that should be made here is that while we do all this arguing, far more often than not, the first quarterback taken in any given draft does not wind up being the best one. So Cam went back over this. Let's just go back through every year he went back as far as 1998. Someone keeps score. Last year, first quarterback taken, Bryce Young. Was he the best quarterback in that draft? Certainly doesn't look like it right now. It's unfair to say there's no way he'll wind up being better than C.J. Stroud, but at least at this moment, we have to say he wasn't. Right? So that's no question. Twenty twenty-two, the first quarterback taken was Kenny Pickett. Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in that draft. That's two. Twenty twenty-one is Trevor Lawrence the best quarterback taken in his class? The only one you could you could. Make an argument for, I guess, is Justin Fields. It's not Mac Jones. It's obviously not Zach Wilson or Trey Lance.
4: I think it's still Trevor. Yeah, you got to give it to. As him. of
1: this moment, he, he won a Lawrence, playoff game almost as, by default. As uninspiring as he's been. Let's see. Justin Fields is the only one who might wind up giving him a run for his money. There's a
4: couple uninspiring yeses in here, by the way. Right. <laughs> Some so, of these classes are really bad.
1: Yeah, because if you do it the other way, if if you just look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, the only one who was the first quarterback taken in his own draft is Burrow unless you're going to go as old as a guy like Matt Stafford. The, 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 all of the really good young quarterbacks, Allen, et cetera, none of these guys were the first quarterback taken. But anyway, we'll go on. 2019, Kyler Murray. We say, yes, he was the best quarterback in that draft, but it was a very bad quarterback class. I don't even remember what other quarterbacks were in that
4: draft. Daniel Jones, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke. So I guess you could put him or Daniel Jones. They've both gone to the playoffs.
1: Who do you like better, Kyler Murray or Daniel Jones? Kyler, but it's close. It's close, but so we'll say yes. 2018, Baker Mayfield was the first quarterback taken, clearly not even close to the best one. Josh Allen was in that class, Lamar Jackson. 2017, Mitch Trubisky... Goes without saying Patrick Mahomes was in that class. It's another no. Twenty sixteen, Jared Goff. Was he the best quarterback in that class? Dak Prescott wound up going in that draft. So did Carson Wentz. Dak is the best quarterback in that class. Dak is better than Goff? Definitely. Okay. So there's another no. Twenty fifteen, Jameis Winston will say yes, but it was a weak quarterback class. Twenty fourteen, Blake Bortles was the first quarterback taken. Derek Carr went after him. So did Jimmy G. Both of them were better. 2013, E.J. Manuel was the first quarterback taken. He was not the best one in that class. Geno Smith came after him. Andrew Luck was the first quarterback off the board in 2012. Yes, he was the best one, but that was also RG3, and it was also Kirk Cousins, and it was also Russell Wilson, but we'll say yes. And in the interest of speeding this up, now we get back to Cam Newton, Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford are all yeses. Matt Ryan is a yes. Jamarcus Russell is a definitely no. Vince Young is a no. Alex Smith is a no. Eli Manning, let's give him the the benefit of the doubt and say yes. It's Tim Roethlisberger, Rivers, I can't say that's a no. So so where do we stand now? Like what, what was someone keeping count on that? What what how many? How often? Did the guy wind up being the best quarterback in the class?
4: I believe we're at 10 no's and 9 yeses right now. Right. So it is fairly close. It's an even
1: higher number than I would have expected. But most
4: of the yeses are ones where we don't say them confidently. I That's would right. Say. So It's it's
1: up in the air in some of these. That's fair enough. So it is my theory, and we're going to put it to the test right now, that the draft process is two things at once. It's the best thing in football. I love it. I love it. When they asked me to host the draft, I almost cried with joy. I love this event so much. I, I, there is nothing I look forward to more in my career than I look forward to those two nights every year that I get to host the draft. So I love the draft. I love the build up to the draft. I am the definition of a draft geek. That said, it is also my opinion that the four months that they spend making these decisions are the worst thing that could happen to all of these <laughs> NFL executives. If they just went with their first gut, if they just watched the tape, if they just broke down all the film of these guys in college and they held the draft like the week after the Super Bowl, like they do in basketball, teams would get it right infinitely more than they get it right now. They talk themselves out of far more ideas, good ideas, than they talk themselves into. So I asked Tembo to grab last season's Mel Kuyper mock draft 1.0. Now bear in mind what Mel is not doing is he's not telling you who he thinks are the best players. He does that with his big board. He's telling you who he thinks is going to go in these or in this order, and he's basing that on what he's hearing from the league. So let's just hear who the top ten players in order would have been if Mel, if that, if they had made the picks in late january or when when did that come out
2: Uh, two weeks after the national title game i think january 23rd was the date if
1: they had made the picks on january 23rd let's live in a world where these would have been the top 10 and let's compare it to what it wound up being and let's see if it would have been better i haven't seen it so i don't know what's about to happen
2: hembo who did he have going number one number one to the bears jalen carter defensive tackle georgia
1: All right would that have been a better pick than bryce young going number one? for
2: sure i mean he wound up finishing runner-up for defensive rookie of the year and slipping to nine for a variety of reasons right but but
1: but so he clearly a better player who did he have going to cj stroud okay so that that was on the money he qb1 was, he was on the money with that and he had him as qb1 oh so that is a good point that's a well-made point at that point in the process he had cj stroud ahead of bryce young which it turns out probably would have been for the better. Go on. Three.
2: Uh, three was Will, uh, Will Anderson from Alabama, which is exactly which is where, he, where he went. Where he wound up. Okay. Then Bryce Young. He had Bryce Young going fourth overall yep. to the Colts as QB2. Okay. Number five, Will Levis. Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky, who wound up slipping all the way to 33.
1: That's exactly right. They let him fall to the second round, and he looks like he's going – we're way too early to make any of these projections with certainty – he certainly looks like right now, like he has the he's going to be a good player. He he's the he? second best rookie quarterback for sure, by far. Yeah, yeah. I mean Richardson got hurt and, and whatever with, Bryce Young was in a terrible situation. But yes, at this point, that looks like it would have been a much better pick than the entire league letting him fall to 33. Go it, ahead.
2: The rest of it is a little bit less telling and a little bit less interesting. At six, they had the uh, the Lions taking Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, who went up going seven overall to the Raiders. All right, receiver. At seven, the Raiders uh, they had taking Peter Skoronsky.
1: The offensive lineman. From Northwestern, he yep. wound
2: up going to Tennessee. Right. At eight, he had the Falcons taking Miles Murphy an Edge out of Clemson. Yeah. Nine, the Panthers taking Anthony Richardson at nine. He wound up going all the way up to four to the Colts. Obviously, he was not able to protect himself, got hurt, missed the whole you know, rest of the season. And number 10, he had the Eagles taking Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt, who ended up slipping to Tampa and playing great this
1: season. Okay, he's a defensive tackle. Yep. So, so here's the question. He wound up falling like a rock in 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 the draft evaluation. So I don't know if that told the story as convincingly as I hoped it might. But I well, think it does it, for the quarterbacks. It, it does for the quarterbacks, and it does in general. I I think I I stand by my point, Bubba. And many people may not know this, but Bubba before his long, historic, incredibly successful career. In radio production, but Bubba was an NFL executive, a front office executive for years, both on the personnel and the business side. He learned at the knee of Tech Schramm, the architect of those legendary Cowboys, uh, you know, America's team TS. teams of the 70s. So you were around Shram all those years. So my question to you is, do you believe teams would generally draft better and make fewer mistakes if they held the draft the week after the Super Bowl rather than at the very end of April. Uh, Yeah, I
0: I think I would because I think, you know, Lewis was making the point yesterday on on GetUp of kind of all the things that happened between January and April. And and even I think it's even worse now with all the extra people in the draft room and all the extra information you have and all the people who have opinions and all the people who are offering ideas and all the tape they're watching – but the, in reality, and the point he made is no games have been played. Nothing nothing really has changed. So all these people are offering their opinions who really shouldn't, and things are being changed and, and options are being moved and things are happening when they really shouldn't. And I think it was a, it was a good point by him. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll, probably the, the, the best – thing you're going to do is probably make the, the draft pick right after, and that's the person you probably really want. I think you end up probably making yourself crazy if you wait two, three, four months, and you change your mind ten times because you, you, you end up making yourself go crazy. So I think, yeah,
1: right after January makes the most sense. Well, you see, because what player. ends up happening then is because there's all this time and all this air time devoted to the analysis of this and the buildup, that you wind up with the fans thinking they know the answers to these tests, right? They're like, oh, there's no question in the world. My team should take so-and-so. And And then the team doesn't take so-and-so. And and then there they are booing on the draft night and booing the draft pick, which no team wants, right? No owner wants his fans booing the pick that night. So I think general managers are to some degree a little bit afraid of that. I think so much CYA goes into all of this. I do not say that um, critically. That is just part of life. People are self-preservation is a very normal and understandable reason why people do things. Um, and and as a result, when these consensuses wind up being formed, you're going out on like, look, taking Daniel Jones at number six. It wasn't the worst pick of all time, right? I mean, it. we've seen reasons why it might have turned out better. If he had been drafted by a different team in that spot and had better coaching and better circumstances around him, Daniel Jones has shown he was worth being someone to take a flyer on. And those of us who watched him at Duke knew that. I told you that from watching him beat the hell out of us at Northwestern twice. But the world reacted like it was the worst pick of all time. Right? The world literally reacted like it was the worst draft pick in the history of the NFL. And that was that reaction was coming from a collection of people, not one of whom had ever seen him play a game in their life. No
2: question about it. The the months, the weeks and months that elapsed between the end of the season and the start of the draft only works. If your front office is really, really disciplined and knows how to synthesize information and most NFL teams are really bad at both of those things. All right. Greeny comes to you live from the Seaport. We're
1: brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. NBA action tonight. Nuggets. Heat presented by Indeed on most of these ESPN radio stations. Yesterday, Hembo tried something the entire rest of the world has long since been doing. We'll find out how we felt about it next on ESPN Radio.
4: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio in 30 seconds. We'll explain what Hembo did yesterday. Which, for no obvious reason, was his first time ever, even though the rest of us have all been doing it basically since we were kids. <laughs> anyway, that, was, uh, that will come up after this word from Vivid Seats. Secure the seats and the memories this year from Vivid Seats, your home for every slam dunk, slap shot, and stolen base. Vivid Seats celebrates fandom with unbeatable rewards like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. With Vivid Seats rewards you earn with every purchase, from buzzer beaters to walk-off homers, Vivid Seats has a great selection and great prices in all the games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN.
2: I need you to listen carefully.
1: I just want you to know. So Jenny is uh, directing or uh, stage managing our show today, and uh, I told her during the break to her absolute shock that Hembo, as of yesterday's show, had never heard of the concept of hibachi, a hibachi restaurant when, we, when it was raised He said, I don't know what that is, which lends one to wonder, once again, where it is that himbo was hatched and how it is he has managed to live this long and not known any of that. So I did late, and we discussed this at some length, and Bubba (laughs) and Cam, I don't know if you both saw it, but I did see on Lizzie's Instagram story later in the day, the two of you sitting at a hibachi restaurant eating what I assume was a hibachi dinner. What was your reaction? My
2: reaction is that, you guys really oversold this hibachi thing. Like it was this, this hibachi thing. Like it was described to me yesterday on the show. Like I was, was missing something that like I couldn't die without having been to one.
1: And it was I'm not a, sure that's what we said. No one said that.
2: It was a very literally no one said that. You made it seem like it was a huge deal that I had never been and that it was spectacular. Hibachi is the fast food
1: of Asian restaurants.
2: That's what it I'm is. I'm not even sure it's anyone
0: like, said it was spectacular. No. We just said
1: it's, it's insane.
2: Just something you had everyone been. has done. No, it's not. It's something that I had not done. But it was something for which my wife was flabbergasted. I had not so when, when, exactly so we
1: heard you had never did. You
2: didn't know what Hibachi was. What did she say? She was ashamed. She was like, we're going today, literally today. And so we went. So I want to I'll detail for you my experience to see if it was a standard Hibachi experience. And then you will apologize. Tembo, for You don't have to work. bother.
1: Every experience is a standard hibachi experience. So like it's a- you go, they set fire to the volcano with the onion on it, they chop a bunch of stuff up, you, you order one of three things, steak, chicken, shrimp, or or all three, they put it on your plate next to the strangers who are sitting around you, they flip a bunch of shrimp up in the air, you catch them in your mouth, you pay, and you go home smelling absolutely awful. Yeah.
2: That is hibachi every single time. You and oversold awesome. it! This, this How is that overselling it? This spectacular... Uh, onion volcano was like a three second thing that like I was excited about. What that did, sucked?
1: What, what were you thinking an onion volcano was going to be? Something's. Did like, you like, expect like a, like a, lava
2: um, and villagers being killed? You used the word vulcanized. I thought it was going to be spectacular, like a theme park. It type is built in. like a
1: volcano, and it shoots it's fire like out of the top of it. Six inches tall. It is literally. How tall do you think an onion is? I'm not you ex- trying to burn
2: down uh, the restaurant. It's not a
1: real volcano. You uh,
2: exaggerated everything. You the didn't point. go
1: to Disney World. You went to a Hibachi restaurant.
2: And this guy comes out with like this enormous cart and begins all these histrionics with right. his tongs. It's fun. For like no, it's not. It's For like fun to 40 watch. seconds, it's just like super loud. He's like spinning his spatula like it's a like it's an attractive party trick of well, some kind. First and foremost, it is
1: generally something that is meant to appeal to children. So that I assume there were a lot of people there with kids. No, at this it was actually just
2: me and Lizzie and another couple. And it was not their first hibachi. <laughs>
1: it's no one else's first hibachi. And most people, the reason that they're doing all that histrionics is usually because it entertains children. Is is it a standard thing for me to be required to catch flying zucchini? It is not. Well, usually it's shrimp. I've never seen it be zucchini. I caught flying zucchini. Yeah, like in my mouth. It's not required, but it is standard operating procedure. By the way. Did you not enjoy it? I just, like, I didn't understand. Like, it's not, it's dinner. Like, it's not a game. It can be a game. I mean, they're making dinner into a game. Lizzie missed all four of her zucchinis. Well, that's not always that easy. I mean, catching them with your mouth is a
2: unique skill. I happen to be very good at. You're good at catching it with your if mouth. If there
1: was a hall of fame of catching shrimp
2: at the Hibachi
1: restaurant in your mouth, I would be a first ballot choice. So how many
2: hall of, halls of fame would that put you in there? Four? four. Okay. Anyway, the, the the experience was perfectly fine. I found it to be highly underwhelming relative to expectation. I suppose. Did you enjoy the food? The food was satisfactory. It was very hot. Uh, it was it was mildly tasty and very hot. Well, there's a big hot.
4: grill in front of you. I don't know if you saw it. What do you mean
1: by hot? Like, like the, it is served to you one second after it is done being cooked. So, that's, it's very rare. that I mean, unless you eat something directly out of the pan, that anything is ever going to be hotter than that is going to you be. Know, I yeah, can't, you can
2: give it a second before you eat it. I will say this. I'm definitely not going again. At least not on a date.
1: You should take a date. Well, that's what it was. <laughs> It's not a date. You're married. That's not a date. This was your. date You can't night? go on a date with your wife. I guess you can, but that's not that's not the one you should be going on. No,
2: I did, no, I'm not going again.
1: You should be taking Michelle someday. Your little uh, your little
2: daughter. So who should who should see Charlotte? I who should watch Charlotte? Someone else. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Michelle obviously has to start being treated uh, as the superior that she is. I mean, I think the time has come. Have you had the talk with her yet that you must recognize you're named after Greenie and your sister is not? All she
2: can really say so far is Baba. So, no, we, we can't baba? communicate. <laughs> <laughs> she, all she can say is Baba. I think that's of concern. By the way, I could imagine this this. So, like, all hibachi places have, like, this, like, horseshoe-type seating.
1: Wait, let's not let's not just gloss over the fact that your daughter's first word is Bubba. I mean, I think that's, that's <laughs> a meaningful, like, I, th- I think... It's Baba. I don't know. That's that's right. You think close. it's Baba. I'm telling you right now. Six to one, it's Bubba.
4: How think, often uh, does Lizzie, like, have this show on when she's watching the twins at home?
1: Frequently. And is it possible that Bubba... It's the easiest one to say. ...is Michelle's favorite? Yeah, it is the easiest does, one does to say. Does the other one speak? We got a Bubba stand. <laughs> we have a Bubba stand. So my daughter is a Hembo stand. Right. Jake, he didn't use the word Stan, but he called Bubba and Cam studs. And you describe Jake as a really smart kid. He, oh, he's a. Smart How can kid. you have that opinion and be a really smart kid? I don't know. You can ask him that question when you're working for him someday. Fair enough. Um, and, and then and then so your daughter Michelle. She's obviously a Bubba stan. I guess so. And the other one is, what is her name? Um, uh, Charlotte. And what, does she
2: have any words? Uh, none from this show. And Any words at all? Mama Dada. But, like, Michelle prefers Baba.
1: Michelle prefers Baba. She, she likes Baba better than when, she, than, than when your daughter refers to herself or you? That's right. I mean, that's a, it's an odd choice. It's an odd choice,
2: part. and it's also concerning now that I think about it out loud. Yeah, I, and, and, and well, there should be. So anyway, if there's
1: something that we've learned here uh, today, uh, tell me what it is, because I think it's nothing. I don't <laughs> think we've learned a thing, except that Hembo has just never had the life experiences that most people do. When you were a child, what did you do? Like, what would your fa- if your family went out for dinner on a given night, where would you go? I don't
2: know. Somewhere where people aren't throwing food at me. Where would you go? Anywhere else. Style of cuisine. Uh, uh, Uno burger.
3: Okay,
1: that's not bad. Have you heard no, of
2: that? No, I will have a no burger. I'm sure i I yeah. wouldn't
1: mind having a no burger right now. I wouldn't In mind there. Out.
2: I don't have to overspend for people to insult me. Yeah,
1: right now actually, I'm hungry enough for Dose burgers. Who is uh, insulting you? Yeah, no uh, one is insulting. I think you.
2: like throwing food at someone is like off putting, <laughs> and like apparently this is what I'm paying for. They give you a
4: heads up. They're like, hey, I'm going to throw food at you. They're not also, just pelting it. There's at like you.
2: this, like there's like this, um, the squeeze bottle and like the sake, I guess they call it, like comes out of this guy's. Yeah. I mean, that was really off putting, too. It's part of the fun. It's not fun. I felt like I had to go to church after that. Well, now you've just criticized my favorite part.
1: <laughs> All right, we got lots left to do. Stay where you are. It's Bubba and Company on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greenie, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.